Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There were such high hopes for HS2. It was going to link London to Birmingham to Crewe to Manchester, Leeds, with the highest of high speeds and levelling up and kick-starting growth as it went. It's fallen somewhat short of that, of course. At the end of all of this, it might shake down to just a line from London to Birmingham, billions over budget. We're rubbish at big projects, you might think. We can't handle these big infrastructure budgets, that's what it is. But now, a new investigation by the Sunday Times, months in the making, finds that much of this was foreseen. Years before it went off the rails, people inside HS2, experts, tried to alert their bosses and the government to some big problems. They said figures had been downplayed, deliberately. Contractors were guaranteed profits, even if they delivered late and over budget. The whistleblowers were ignored sacked even, and the report was even put through the shredder. One of the whistleblowers was so determined to get the truth out, he went to the extraordinary lengths of secretly recording conversations with his colleagues. Like this. Stuff has been downplayed in the past. Yeah, we're running out of ways of downplaying stuff. There's no point going in guns blazing and saying this is nonsense because they, they just say, shut up. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, how the true cost of HS2 was covered up. Are we ready to rock and roll? Fabulous. Um, can you introduce yourselves, both your names, who you are? I'm Jonathan Calvert. I'm the Insight Editor of The Sunday Times. And I'm George Abuffnot, and I'm the Deputy Insight Editor. Insight is the renowned Sunday Times investigations team. Founded 60 years ago, it has uncovered some of the biggest scandals in living memory. From cash for questions, to the FIFA files, to the government's mishandling of the pandemic. George, explain how you got into this story, this enormous mess of HS2. So in the summer, um, there were clear concerns HS2 was a kind of disaster. And so we were tasked with looking at what had gone wrong. So we started speaking to people 
in and around the project, uh, Department of Transport uh, insiders, HS2 staff members. Soon enough, we started speaking to people who were making quite serious allegations. And Jonathan, everyone will be familiar with how HS2 has changed and shrunk and all these concerns of costs that we've had over the past few years. But in headline format, your investigation shows what? Well, it shows that HS2 Limited, which is the company building the railway, was misleading people about the true costs of this scheme, which is enormous, hugely, hugely over the original budget Mm. by billions and billions. And people tell us that actually this was foreseen. And so it is a scandal because for years and years and years, not just the Department of Transport, but also the public and Parliament have all been misled. And they were misleading Parliament because it was Parliament who was at various stages voting through permission to go on with the next phase of construction. And these cost overruns were predicted. But for whatever reason, HS2 Limited decided to keep them back from the Department of Transport for long periods of time until often it was too late and we'd get to the stage where they dug the hole and they'd say, well, nothing else we can do now. You know, we need more money. Oh dear, it's cost more than we thought. I mean, it's an extraordinary story if you think about it. We now have only 100 miles of railway, which is going to cost £50 billion by the government's estimates probably more like £100 billion by the you know experienced um, independent analysts who've looked at it. All we're getting is a railway that runs from London to Birmingham. And we'll hear about the whistleblowers that have illuminated this world for you in a moment and some of the secret recordings that they made and the documents they have and the rest. Um, we should say up front that for their part, HS2 Limited strongly deny that they've ever misled anyone and say they've always worked closely with the government. Let's start with your first whistleblower, though, a guy called Stephen Cresswell. Um, Tell us about him. He worked for HS2. Stephen was a cost analyst. He basically, he looks at projects like this and works out what the risk of the costs going up is. And he's been doing this for years, and he's a professional. He's worked for various big schemes before, such as Heathrow, Thameslink, and also the nuclear power station Hinkley Point. And he knows exactly what he's doing, which is why he's hired by all these big projects to do that type of work. And he was first working for HS2 Limited in 2014, so sort of early days of the project. Mm -hmm. What were his early concerns about those costings? Well, at the time, he was looking at the first phase of HS2, which was the leg between London and Birmingham. Mm. He was presented with a cost at the time of £21 When he started to do his own work on it, he suddenly thought, this is miles out. It's nearer kind of £30 the cost of it. A lot of the risks of costs going up had been hugely underestimated. In what way? So his job is to look at all of the different elements that are going to incur costs. So it's like a kind of Pandora's box. The more you delve deeper and you're looking at each specific tunnel and then each specific contractor they've got and, you know, what, what are the contracts looking like? You know, if they have some bad weather, that could cause significant cost overruns yeah. and delays and therefore you have to pay people more money to be on site for longer. So he was reviewing all that and he felt that HS2 had basically downplayed those particular elements. And so the more work he did, the more concerned he became. And that's how he ended up with this figure that was £9 billion more than the £21 billion that HS2 was officially estimating and informing Parliament of. A 
And on that point, five weeks after he's having all these concerns and this £9 billion discrepancy, the House of Commons, the Transport Minister, are still using the £21 billion figure. That's right. So Patrick McLaughlin, who was the Transport Secretary at the time, he was standing up in Parliament because the second reading of the high-speed rail bill for phase one was going through the House of Commons at the time. High-speed rail, London to West Midlands bill, second reading. I call the Secretary of State for Transport, Mr Patrick McLaughlin. It is also right, of course, that the project is built on budget. And he was using that figure to inform the MPs current 21.4 billion budget for phase one is right. And therefore you guys need to decide whether it's worth it or not. Yes, this project deserves careful scrutiny. The processes are in place to ensure that. But Cresswell was watching this and thinking, that is a massive underestimate. I commend the bill to the House. So... At this point, then, seeing this, what does your man Stephen do? Well, initially he does nothing. I mean, he was on a short-term contract, which lasted for six weeks. But it had obviously rankled with him. And the following year, he bumped into his local MP, who is Dominic Raab, who later would become the Deputy Prime Mm. Minister. He arranged a meeting where they met at the Carluccio's restaurant in Walton-upon-Thames and he started to tell him about how he felt HS2 were manipulating the costs. And he later wrote an, an email to him saying that there are no realistic mechanisms by which a civil servant or citizen can raise awareness of an issue. To do so may be ineffectual and it is a great risk to the individual. In effect, what he's saying is that he felt a bit powerless because he felt that um, whistleblowers were just not listened to. And that would be a big element of his story. Hmm. So he's at this point where he's seen this massive discrepancy. He has tried to flag it with those in political power. And he's even alerted Dominic Raab. I mean, what does Dominic Raab do and with So this? he passed it on to Matt Hancock, who was then the minister in charge of the big projects. And, and Matt Hancock sent him a kind of letter back, which is more or less saying, you know, oh, these projects are very challenging, but I can assure you that everything's fine and on on course. So nothing's happened. If we move on to then another whistleblower, because as you said, Stephen leaves HS2, he goes and does other work, um, we now get Doug Thornton. Who he? So Doug Thornton was brought into HS2 in 2015. The first job that HS2 had to do was to buy up all the properties down the length of the line. Yes. And... It was a massive project. I think it was it was the biggest compulsory land purchase by the government since the Second World War. Wow. Now, Doug Fulton was brought in. He was an experienced property expert. He'd worked in the property departments of Amazon and Tesco. When he came in, he was given an audit report by the accountants PwC. He says that the report expressed great concern about the methodology and composition of HS2's estimate for how much all the property would cost. When he spoke to the consultancy company who'd done the original work, it became clear that a bunch of interns had very roughly estimated what this would cost, but there was no specific valuations of each particular property. So they hadn't gone on maps or something and followed the proposed route and found out how much each bit of land was along the way. They they did what? It just been kind of like they, they, it was a hundred meter kind of arbitrary width of land down the route and they just kind of roughly assessed what properties of that nature might cost without necessarily looking at 
what particular businesses were in those buildings and how much it would cost to buy those particular properties out. And so he immediately recognised that there was a serious problem here. You would, you would see houses, say, maybe at you know, 100 or £200,000 of a difference. More complex cases, you were sort of seeing you know, orders of magnitude of several million pounds of difference. You know, that really very much concerned me as to where that would take the budget. And so he commissioned the accountants Deloitte. They came back at the end of 2015 and really raised big flags that the valuation was inadequate. It's a complete and utter nightmare. It really forcibly hit me between the eyes. So again, we've got another figure way off the mark. He knows that. What does he do with that information? How does he feed that back into the organisation? Well, he wanted to raise it with the directors of HS2. um, And he told his immediate boss that he was going to tell them that, you know, this is the reality. These are the figures. Because this is his um, job, <laughs> to find, find out the cost of yeah. these things. Yeah, And he says that his manager became very agitated at that point and told him in no uncertain terms that he was only present a set of slides to the board that had the original figures, not his new figures. Um, Again, what, what order of magnitude are we talking about? If, the, if in the previous example it was the difference between 21 billion and 30 billion, I mean, what are we talking about here? It's 2.8 billion to 4.8 billion, isn't it? Gosh, okay, so another... Almost double. Yeah. Almost double, yeah. So Whistleblower so, Doug has, has seen this massive discrepancy in, in how they're estimating how much the property purchasing is going to cost. He wants to raise it. He wants to raise it. Uh, he's told he can't. I felt if I used the figure, I would be personally misleading the board. I'm not doing that. I want no part of that. So what he does is he issues a grievance procedure against his managers saying this conduct is, is wrong. And then after sending his grievance procedure, 11 minutes later, he got an email from Human Resources saying that they were ending his contract. And they say that the reason they got rid of him was due to poor performance. And he obviously makes oh, he the two things. He believes absolutely that the reason that they terminated his contract was because he wanted to tell the truth. I found it really the most um, strange sensation. I've never been in uh, a situation like that in my professional career. And if he's gone and he wanted to do that, still surely hanging around the offices are copies of this Deloitte report that he had commissioned, which illuminate the point he's trying to make. So what happens to them? So after he left, another employee replaced him as the director of the, of the, of the department. And when he came in, he inherited Thornton's assistant. His assistant has told us he instructed her to shred the Deloitte report. Um, and shred all the copies in the office. And in fact, a second whistleblower has told, also told us that they were also instructed to shred 30 copies of the Deloitte report and also delete it from their systems as well. What does, the, what does that assistant make of that choice? So she said that she instinctively felt that I was being asked to do was wrong and was part of some sort of cover-up. Also working in the, in the department was a man called Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Bruce, who joined HS2 as the department's head of planning and performance. Now, he was a British Army veteran who'd been NATO's chief engineer in Afghanistan, so he'd sort of been in charge of some pretty serious matters yeah. in, the, in the past. He said that the director of the department 
told him that no words, phrases, pictures or diagrams could be used from the Deloitte report. Physical printed copies were gathered up and placed in the bins marked for shredding. But nevertheless, he, he decided that he would try and do the work himself. Yeah. There were schools, businesses, entire streets, which, according to the, the valuation I was seeing, was £550. And many, um, you know, £1, £2, £3 for a property. It was clearly incorrect. He came up with this figure of 4.8 billion as the true cost. As opposed to 2.8. As opposed to HS2's official figure of 2.8. So he sought to arrange a meeting with Department for Transport officials to deliver this bad news, effectively. The meeting was scheduled for April the 6th, 2016. But half an hour before it was due to begin, he was summoned to a meeting and dismissed with immediate effect. I felt at the time I was being fired uh, so that I couldn't give my, my figures and the Department for Transport would be um, you know, not allowed to see them. He described standing outside the building in complete shock and despondency and was left devastated by it. You know, he'd, he'd just come back from Afghanistan where he'd been in charge of an 8,500-strong workforce and he said he'd never seen anything like it. He said he'd, he'd fulfilled every objective that HS2 had set him, and he just could not believe what, what had happened to him. Say it's going to cost less and the benefits are going to be higher, you get permission. Later on, that proves not to be true. Just say, well, we've gone so far, we've, we, we can't stop now, we've got to carry on. We went to HS2 last week and put the allegations that Bruce and Thornton had made and pointed out that they were saying it, it was the true cost of the property for phase one, London to Birmingham, would be £4.8 billion. Hmm. HS2 came back to us and said, well, they were wrong because we've spent £2.78 billion and we've got all the property that we need on phase one. On that very same day, seemingly unbeknownst to the HS2 press office, HS2 were responding to an FOI request that had been made in the summer, which they had been fighting and trying not to respond to ever since. But they finally, having been threatened with being referred to the Information Commissioner, they finally responded. And what that revealed was that the figure was much closer to Thornton and Bruce's estimate than it was their own. And so when we pointed this out to them, and there was a kind of silence uh, from the HS2 press office and then eventually an apology and an admission of an error. I mean, they told us this three times as well. It wasn't as if it was a simple error mm. once, was it? Yeah. Two years after Andrew Bruce left HS2, the conduct of the property department was scrutinised by the National Audit Office. It found that the cost of property purchases had risen significantly. HS2 claims this report shows nothing untoward was found and says, quote, in the course of updating estimates on land and property, costs have increased and we have been completely transparent about this process. Coming up, our first whistleblower, Stephen Cresswell, takes matters into his own hands and starts recording his colleagues. That's in a moment. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we've now got two people sacked, uh, report shredded, and yet still this arguably false figure of £2.8 billion on how much the property purchasing is going to cost remains, not this more accurate £4.8 billion figure. And importantly, that is the figure which is still being talked about in Parliament, where those making decisions about whether to proceed with this are, are debating the matter. Yeah, and in July 2016 is when uh, Chris Grayling took over as the uh, Transport Secretary and... Chris Grayling, according to people who know him well, thought that HS2 was a crackpot scheme. As we understand it, what he felt about it was that the problem with HS2 from the beginning was that it had to be the fastest in Europe, the fastest in the world. Mm. And because they did it that way, you had to have a very, very straight line. By going in a straight line, you kind of limit yourself. You've got to have everything absolutely flat. You've got to cut through the Chilterns, cut through large swathes of London. And that's why it was becoming extremely expensive. And by the end of that year, 2016, there'd been this man who was one of the uh, Treasury's top advisors on major projects, had been embedded in, um, in HS2 for a while. He was a guy called Paul Mansell. And he wrote a report that estimated that it was highly likely that the project would go up to 60% over budget. Um, so suddenly, he's, what he's telling Chris Grayling and others is that it's going to be around about £80 billion. Now, it had started around £37 billion. It's now, according to Mansell, £80 billion. But the bill for the first phase was going through Parliament at that time. And Grayling just tells Parliament that you know, HS2 is on track. We have experience of major projects in this country. This project has a cost attachment of £55.7 billion for the whole thing. It is currently on time and on budget, and I expected to say that way. And, we've been and no mention is made in Parliament of the fact that Mansell thinks it's going to be 60% over budget. What questions are facing Chris Grayling over this then? I mean, what, what does he say in response to this? So we sent Grayling a letter last week pointing out that he appeared to have misled Parliament. Mm. However, he he declined to comment. So popping my Chris Grayling hat on for a moment, I've got HS2 Limited. Now, 
being honest with itself and saying we are going to overrun by quite a large slice. Is he also hearing from anyone within the Department for Transport itself that it's also going to go over? So in March 2019, the HS2 chairman, who Grayling had asked to carry out this stock take of the HS2 project, told the Department for Transport that it was indeed not going to be able to deliver on budget or on time. In the meantime... Order, order. Again, there were parliamentary debates on the bills. There are concerns, as honourable members have already set out, um, that have been raised by industry experts and former whistleblowers from the company, that the total cost for HS2 may very well be in excess of £100 billion. And Nazrat Ghani, who was a junior minister in, in the Ministry of Transport, she told them, in no uncertain terms... I can confidently stand here today and say the budget is £55.7 billion and the timetable is £25.7 And it, she repeated this again five days later. Um, the Honourable Member for Stafford once again challenged the budget. As I said, it is £55.7 billion and it is the job not only of the department but also of the chairman and the CEO to keep budgets tight. So Parliament was completely misled about how over-budget and, it was. And that debate was crucial because it was the Commons' last final sign-off vote for phase 2A, which was the Birmingham to Crew branch. I condemn this bill. I think it is a disaster. I think it is a white elephant. And I think it deserves to be sent to the graveyard. That was the key moment where they, they could have potentially stopped it. Division, clear the lobby. If they'd known the truth. The eyes to the right, uh, 263. The nose to the left, 17. So the eyes have it. The eyes have it. Unlock. So the charge here is that for a while HS2 Limited was not listening to warnings within itself about the true cost of this project. Now we've got the Department for Transport not passing that on to Parliament who are having to make an important vote about whether to continue with this when forefront in everyone's mind is, is this worth it? That's right. You've got two layers of alleged cover-up. And what does Nuzrat Ghani say to the charge that she was misleading Parliament and knew otherwise to what she was saying in the House? So we wrote to her last week as well, and she failed to respond. Although I think, generally, I think what they say is that they were insisting to HS2 that they didn't go over budget, so they were still optimistic that HS2 will come back and say, actually, we've, we've had a rejig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everything's fine. Exactly, that's exactly <laughs> their position. OK, so we've got all of this discussion happening within the Department for Transport and within HS2. Our first whistleblower, who we first talked about at the beginning of the podcast, Stephen Cresswell, who ended up leaving, he is now back working for HS2 Limited in, was this sort of 2018-19. What's he doing back there? What's he doing? He came back to do the costings for both phase one and phase two. So he was working on the overall cost of the project, so he had a great overview of it. Mm. And even though he'd had misgivings back in 2014, he kind of hoped that the company had changed and he'd, he also saw it as a great opportunity. It's a big project. What did he find, though? So soon after he joined, he'd come across the same concerns that he'd experienced in 2014. Yeah. So if the project was going over budget, contractors were being allowed to put a profit margin on top of whatever it was going to cost, which then didn't give them 
as much of an incentive to keep the cost down when they, when they were doing the work. Because they were never going to be liable for it. They were always guaranteed a profit. Yeah, so the, so the contracts are called cost plus. And across the board, HS2 were factoring in potential cost savings for a whole variety of items like bridges, viaducts and roads, something which we call the 30% trick. In their calculations, they were assuming that it was possible that they might be able to make 30% cost savings on on all those elements. But Cresswell believed that the 30% figure was completely unrealistic. He'd never seen it used on a project before. But the effect of of having this 30% cost savings figure basically pulled the estimate for the project significantly lower than it would have been otherwise. Hmm. By a long way, yeah. By a long way, yeah. Yeah. So again, he's got all these concerns... He is now telling this to the internal fraud investigators within HS2 Limited. I mean, do they just go, thank you, that's very interesting, we'll pass that on? I mean, what did they say? Yeah, he went to see them in April last year, and they said they wanted evidence, and they suggested that he tape record a meeting he was about to have with his immediate superior. And so Stephen did this, and he tape recorded his, his immediate superior's talking about those 30% savings that we've just been talking yeah. about. And as Sapir is saying, yeah, they're very optimistic, aren't they? Potentially unrealistic were his words. And so uh, Stephen had that on tape, but nothing happened. The fraud investigators never got back to him. And having tape recorded one of his colleagues, he decided actually that maybe the way to prove the case was to actually tape record some of his other colleagues. In the summer of last year, as the government was still insisting that phase one was on budget, he went and took a tape recorder and had chats with various of his colleagues. Yeah, OK, right, let's do that. And how, how's phase one going at the moment? I've, I heard there's a bit of cost pressure. In one of them, a fellow risk manager said... There is cost pressure. All I'm saying is this cost pressure is no surprise to anyone who's been on phase one for a long time, if you know what I mean. It's just that we've reached a stage, perhaps, where we're going to have to realise that cost pressure and go public with it. Yes, because stuff has been downplayed in the past. Yeah, and maybe we're reaching a stage where we're running out of ways of downplaying stuff. Sure, no, that's what I expect to happen. We are running out of ways of downplaying stuff politics, political decisions are made, and they will come home to roost at some point. And who's, where's the pressure coming from? Does it come from DFT? Is it internal? Is it all of the above? Yeah, I don't want to point fingers, but, yeah. but there's, there's an understanding. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's an understanding. The risk manager said that cost and risk estimates were not plausible. It just, it just can't be defended. It's not, it's not plausible, that. No. But any attempts to point this out to senior executives was just ignored, he says. There's no point going in guns blazing and saying this is nonsense because they, they just say, shut Yep. <laughs> they just say, shut up. Everyone knows. Sure, sure. The lesson, he said, is to provide stark worst-case scenarios so his bosses can't fudge things as easily. Can't fudge things as easily. That's about all you can do. Yeah. In my experience. After all of these frustrations and attempts to get this to light, where has Stephen ended up with this and, and this battle? 
a couple of months after he'd reported the matter to HS2's counter-fraud office, mm. and then I heard back from them, he was told that they were not going to renew his contract. And he's taking that to, what, an employment tribunal? Yeah, he filed, he's filed and now filed a claim with the employment tribunal. HS2 are, are fighting it, and there's going to be a hearing next year. They claim that the reason they got rid of him was because they'd found a, a cheaper full-time employee to replace him. They were hot on the cost. When we approached HS2 about Cresswell's allegations, they said, these claims are under investigation as part of our whistleblower protocols. Mr Cresswell has provided limited information directly to HS2 Limited, and we cannot comment further on the additional claims made directly to the Sunday Times. Putting allegations in the public domain prior to the conclusion of the investigation may compromise the investigation. They do not accept any wrongdoing at all, obviously. Mm. We've heard what HS2 have had to say in reply to this, but what does the Department for Transport say now that you've laid all this out to them? They said that the government and its public bodies take such claims seriously and will ensure they are thoroughly investigated. OK. Having gone through all of this, both of you, I mean, what is this story? Is, is this a story of just, yet again, how we're sort of incapable of doing these big projects? Is it a story of missed opportunities, wastefulness, cock-up and or conspiracy? How do you reflect on it? It's funny, when you talk about HS2, you kind of talk about these billions, and mm. they, they're they out by, you know, kind of tens of billions. It's kind of just a huge, huge... I mean, just imagine all the schools or hospitals you could yeah. you could build yeah. build with that, that yeah. money. I mean, it's, it's probably worth saying at this point that um, the last uh, valuation of HS2 when it was going up to Manchester mm. was around £100 billion in terms of the cost. Yeah. And we did look at what you could buy with £100 billion if you didn't use it for HS2. And the figure we came to was 200 hospitals, wow. 10,000 schools. So, you know, this is a country that's kind of, we've got one of the biggest debts that the country's had since the Second World War, mm. huge tax burden. This was a massive expenditure for a country like ours to, to, to expend on this railway, which obviously one of its big selling points was that you could get to Birmingham you know, mm. about 35 minutes quicker. So the kind of opportunity cost to the British nation mm. is, we think, is, is, is a major scandal. And now this is out in the open, where might this information go next? I mean, I take your point that HS2 say that they're looking into this and then once HS2 have done that, the National Audit Office say they can look into this, but is there anyone else who could, should be sniffing around? So... We have spoken to Professor Stephen Glaister, um, who the government actually employed to advise on HS2 in, in, in its early days, and informed him of our, of our findings and the whistleblower's allegations. And he says that there is an incredibly serious matter and that there should now be a public inquiry to get to the bottom of this and try to make sure that something like this does not happen again and we can try and find a way that we can deliver these things on time and on budget as Parliament and the public have been told. Yesterday, Times Radio spoke to the latest Transport Secretary, Mark Harper. He's the eighth to oversee HS2 to get his reaction to this story. 
We take our responsibilities to look after public money very seriously. That's what I've been doing since I've got this job, very focused uh, on bearing down on cost and being very clear with the board of the company that delivering our cost targets is just as important mm. as getting the project built. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guests, the Sunday Times Insight Team, Jonathan Calvert and George Arbuthnot. The producer was James Shield, the executive producer was Fiona Leach, and today's episode was mixed by Hannah Varrell. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.